We are excited to bring to you today two special guests from Envision, our colleagues and our pals for this bonus episode. Ms. Jennifer Aldrich, Senior Manager of Design Community Partnerships, and Mr. Stephen Gates, Head Design Evangelist. We chatted with Jennifer and Stephen about balancing personal and professional demands in a remote environment, and especially during these really challenging times. We also discussed a few best practices for remote communication and some ways to build trust within your remote teams. We hope you enjoy the conversation and we hope that it proves useful, whether you've been working remotely for a long time or you're brand new to it. Thanks as always for listening and for supporting the show. Stephen Gates, Jennifer Aldrich, welcome to the show. We're happy to talk to you today. Thanks so much for having us. Excited to talk to you too. So Stephen and Jennifer are colleagues of ours who've been working remotely for a very long time. We want to just talk a little bit about remote work and more specifically remote for designers, design teams, and how that can work as we see firsthand every day here at Envision because we're a totally distributed company. We have no headquarters and we're about seven or 800 people. I don't remember the, the head count right now, but we're all over the world. So We've been doing remote for a long time, and we've also been talking to a number of companies who are experimenting with remote. But maybe to start us off, Stephen and Jennifer, could you talk to us a little bit about how you are currently balancing the demands of personal life and professional life as we've kind of shifted to this lockdown situation with the spread of the COVID-19 virus? It's been really interesting having this change because even though I've been working remotely for five years, for some reason, having this shift with COVID has changed my entire experience with it, which sounds really bizarre, but it just seems so much more intense. And now I've got my daughter home who's 16 years old, which has been so wonderful. I'm loving every second of that, actually. I know if she was younger, it might not be quite as exciting because she was pretty wild when she was little. But yeah, having her home has been wonderful. And I'm finding that I'm actually taking breaks during the day to do things like eat and stand up and go for a walk around the house. And it's actually made me pay a lot more attention to self-care, which is really interesting. And I think it's just the fear around the illness has really triggered that in me. So yeah, it's been interesting. So I'm actually doing a better job balancing <laughs> balancing life and work than I would normally. I mean, I think it's interesting for me just because it's just my wife and I and two dogs. So I think, you know, the day-to-day work hasn't changed a ton. I think it's definitely been noticeable for me. A lot more people are reaching out. A lot of people want to connect. I think a lot of people are sort of feeling the distance between each other right now. Mm. You know, I'm definitely seeing that in in the work life. I think obviously, you know, the the personal side of it's been huge. I mean, I was joking with a friend. I went to the grocery store this morning and I had no idea that apparently the Food Network has been prepping us for years to deal with the current grocery situation as I found myself trying to figure out what I can make for dinner out of beef short ribs, a bag of marshmallows, and two packets of grape Kool-Aid. There you go. It's chopped. <laughs> chopped right there. Iron Chef at home. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just sort of like the world is Iron Chef now. And so, yeah, again, I think that there's a lot of, I think it's going to take people a little bit of time to sort of reacclimate to what is this normal going to look like and, and a few of those things. And hopefully we'll see some of the panic buying and things like that die down. But no, I think more than anything, just, I mean, for me, just kind of incredibly grateful. I, I think to sort of have the skill to have us be able to work in this way. But again, I know a lot of other people are trying to figure it out and trying to figure out kind of where do they go from here. Stephen, you just mentioned that a lot of people are reaching out and you're hosting these office hours for your crazy one podcast. What are, what are some of the 
kind of top things that are on people's mind that they're asking you about? Yeah, I mean, it's really all over the place because I think, you know, one of the things that I, I realized whenever I started here was that for me, remote is super interesting just because I think it tends to really expose your organizational sins if you don't trust each other, if your leadership is not strong, if you don't have good process or a clear way of working. And whenever we're all suddenly distributed, those things really come to the surface. So, you know, one, it's interesting just because people from all over the world, I had Hong Kong and the Canary Islands and Transylvania, which is definitely the coolest place I've had somebody <laughs> call in from. Um <laughs> But no, I think it's just, it's it's all sorts of things about how do I lead my team? How do I keep people entertained? How do we do brainstorms? What are the tools that we should use? You know, how do we just do some of those basic things? Is Again, I think a lot of them, they're trying to figure out either how to manage people or how to manage the infrastructure, the tools, the things like that to be able to help figure out how to use technology in, in a different way. So yeah, that was two hours of everything under the sun. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I got to sit in on that session, actually. And I think one of the things that came up that was interesting to me was the use of soft skills in a remote environment is so vastly different. And small things like voice intonation and making sure that you're letting people know that you're listening by saying, hmm, when they're talking and just little tiny micro responses, it, it can make such a huge difference when you're having these online conversations, whether they're video or just audio based. It's really interesting. That's sort of been my advice, just sort of my base advice is I think in a lot of ways, like don't overcompensate, right? Like don't suddenly think you need to reinvent everything in the world that however you used to run a brainstorm, like great, do it as one big group. And then when you break up, put everybody in separate Zoom. So again, like don't overthink it, but at the same point, yeah, understand that things are going to be different. You know, trust is a big issue. A lot of companies really struggle with, like if we can't see you, we don't think you're working. Mm. And that, yeah probably is something we should have all dealt with a long time ago. But again, I think in this moment, it's going to push us to deal with those things. Or yeah, it's like what Jennifer said, you know, you, you need to take the time to be human and sort of really empower empathy. And so again, I think those are sort of the base things that a lot of people are struggling with. I think that another thing that's come up with remote work is giving feedback that's valuable when you're in a remote setting is so important and giving consistent feedback positive feedback and being compassionate when you have to give the, the negative feedback because without being able to see a person's face sometimes as you're giving that feedback or just looking at them on video it can be really hard to hear it and it can be really hard to accept it and if you don't give feedback people get scared <laughs> it's something that people aren't used to having that experience normally they're looking at you so they can see that you're really smiling um, but in a remote environment it can be really tricky for people so i think over communicating is incredibly important Maybe we could expand on that a little bit more because the communication thing is, uh, there's definitely some nuance to it. Totally agree that a lot of the skills and, and uh, essential parts of just working together, building trust and investing time with one another to, to build relationships, that's foundational. And that's the same with remote as it is in person. Communication is a little tricky though, of knowing which channel to communicate through at what time. So common channels, we got Slack, we got email, there's Zoom, which is uh, a staple for us. Uh, and I know a lot of remote teams use Zoom a lot as well. And then of course, there's phone and text is another one. Text is sort of like the red phone for me is like, if you really have something important, shoot me a text. Don't go through email, don't go through Slack to, you know, take quick action. But Curious, Jennifer and Steven, as you think about the various channels of communication, how do you choose which one to use at which time? 
when does that work and when does it not work? I think Slack is great when you have something that you can resolve quickly, especially if there's a group, which sounds strange. Normally you'd think I need a giant group, you know, on Zoom to have this meeting to make these decisions. But being able to have the text paper trail when you're working as a team, I found to be very helpful. If it's something that's a touchy subject or something that's gone back and forth a lot among the team members, I think then tapping on Zoom can be really helpful to get clarity and just details and what people are actually thinking, the things that they're saying and making sure that you're all on the same page. I think that Slack has been amazing as a tool for building culture at Envision. I mean, we've got like the best party parrot <laughs> selection on the planet, I'm pretty sure. Even a Guy Fieri party parrot, it's just incredible. But being able to use things like using the emojis during conversations and being able to talk to one another. The teams that I've been on at Envision, we've always had an area that's just for chat as a team as friends. So we have the team chat and then we have the work chat for each individual team. And those are both private chats, but having the one that's dedicated to getting to know each other, we post pictures of our kids. And instead of it going out to 900 people in the company, which can be a little bit overwhelming for folks, even though we have a kids channel here, being able to get to know your core team in that way is huge. So we're sharing gifts and we're sharing pictures of kids and pets and talking about how people are feeling and checking in during this situation that we're going through right now, being able to have those close relationships and close conversations. It just makes a huge difference in company culture. It's been such a great tool. Aaron, I'd probably follow into what you said a little bit because I think, you know, not long ago, I was a part of teams where I couldn't even use a Bluetooth mouse because it was deemed a security risk. Um, and something like Slack or Zoom was just beyond any, like even the comprehension of anything we could do. So, I mean, what I would say is, is to sort of echo what you said is it's just be really deliberate with the channels you have. How do you want to use them? Right. So like for me, if you send me an email, generally the social expectation is get back to me today or tomorrow, right? If it's a Slack, get back to me as soon as you have availability. And I'm with you. Like, if you text me, that's sort of like the bat phone, the red, you know, war phone or whatever yeah. it is. Like, this means, you know, I need this now. But I think if you're just, if you're really clear in communicating that, because I think that's where I see a lot of teams get into problems is when somebody thinks email is the red phone and somebody else thinks text is the red phone. And then there's sort of a mismatch of expectations. I think if you just lay that out there and say, look, you know, conference call, whatever the tools are we have available, this is the way we're going to use them, then I think that tends to clean up a lot of that sort of misunderstanding or sort of angst that can build up of like, why aren't they getting back to me? Yeah, I think making that very team specific is important too, because I know some teams really do use Slack extremely heavily and others use Zoom really heavily. And on, on our team, if somebody texts you, like the world is actually like burning down. Like that is the yeah. only time I've had that happening one time in my five years here. Um, yeah. Just one emergency situation, that's all. And that's something that on our team, we set that expectation from the moment that people join our team specifically. We have a conversation. We say, hey, if we Slack you, it's totally fine. Get back to us when you can. If somebody slacks you overnight, you don't need to respond to it on this team specifically because it's not going to be that big an emergency. If that happens, then we will call you or text you, which is extremely rare. So just setting those expectations within your your specific team, I think, is also so important. Yeah, and I'd, I'd also just encourage people to think about the social timing of how things play out in your day when you're together. Because I, I think in remote, also everybody's like, great, everybody's available 24-7, 365, every se No, they're not, Right. Because I think it's the same thing, like if we're all in the office, somebody went to lunch, somebody's in a meeting, maybe it's a half day meet, like people are not available all the time. So I think it's also sort of not getting caught up in that kind of like on demand, especially with everything that's going on, right? Like just give people a beat to be able to respond and just 
think about that. Yeah, everybody's not sitting around every second waiting for you to be able to write to them. With people who are new to the team, I think it's especially important to set those guidelines and to constantly reinforce them um, because I've met people from comp- large companies that have come in and they'll say, no, well, I know you said that I don't have to respond right now, but you know, maybe I really should though. I'm like, no, 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 just relax. <laughs> it's okay. And just kind of supporting them through that. It can be a really tricky transition going from on-demand discussion to being able to actually relax and wait and respond when you have time. It's such a different culture. So it's really interesting and it's nice to be able to support people when they come in. And that's another time you need to really over communicate when people are new to the company about those communication styles. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's also just, for me, it's just getting everybody to think about how do you model the behavior you want in other people? Because there are plenty of times somebody will write, it will slack me at 11 o'clock at night or something. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get back to them in the morning. Because again, I think, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, how would you want them to be? So yeah, I think just that moment of pause can sometimes go a long way. Yeah. And being cognizant of different teams having different responses to it too. Last night, I actually did send Eli a Slack at night and was like, oh no, I hope he's not going to check that until morning. So just like you said, being very aware that different teams may have different styles of communication and uh, trying to respect that keeping it during workday is really important to a lot of people. Yeah, no, I actually didn't get it. I purposefully turn off notifications between certain hours. So that's one little trick you can do is like, if Aaron or somebody really needed to get in touch with me, then they, they know they could text me. But I'm not going to get pinged by Slack, you know, after I can't remember what time I turn it off. But I'm curious too. So I started doing remote about 14 years ago before a lot of these tools were available. But I think back to that time and back when I was working full time at a company and the, the culture there was really great. Like I had a bunch of friends and we would go surfing for an hour and come back and maybe work late if we had to. But I think when I came back to an office of my own, I felt this sort of responsibility to be there and be available throughout the workday, a kind of button seat. And it was over, it took me a little while to realize, hey, hey, this remote thing gives you this flexibility to really structure your day. Think about how you structure your day so you can build in that time to get out and exercise, take your kids mm-hmm. to school, that kind of thing. So maybe, Stephen and Jennifer, you guys could talk about how remote helps with sort of self-care. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's interesting because I've been doing remote for just two years. And on part of what it is, is I think you just it takes a while to get used to. I mean, again, two years in, if I go to the grocery store in the middle of the day, just because I have an opening, I still feel guilty because mm. it's just sort of like, oh, you know, I, I should I should be there. And I and again, I've got my phone and I have everything else. But but I think that's it's the push and pull, right? Because I think on the one hand, it is about self-care and it is about I, I think it's good for teams to say, OK, look, what are our core working hours? And these are the times when we all need to be present. These are the times when, you know, we want everybody to be available. And that's great. But there is that time where you can spend time with your family. You can, because I think that's sort of the other side of remote. And I think that's a big thing that I've had to learn was to set up a space in my house. And I know not everybody has the luxury of having a house, but some space where you work. Because for me, there's that like, oh, I can sit in front of the TV or I can, that doesn't work, right? Like you wouldn't do that at work. Your your brain is not going to work that way. So for me, it's just finding that balance of how do you make sure you're in the working mindset, how do you stay productive? How do you stay motivated? How do you do those sort of things? And I think that's where the self-care comes into it is just because, I mean, for me, creativity is always an emotional act. So, you know, the treat it like that and treat it to try to keep yourself inspired and, and plugged in. But yeah, for me, it's always been that kind of balance of on the one hand, creating good habits of also even things like when I stop working, because that was one of the things I realized is when I was in an office at a certain time, people would show up and I would show up. And at a certain point, people would leave, and I would leave, and there were sort of boundaries that were put around kind of what my workday was, and those disappear when you're remote. 
And, you know, I think for definitely the first couple months, I would look up and it'd be eight or nine o'clock and I'd still be going strong and wondering why I had a headache and hadn't eaten all day. And so, yeah, I, I think it's just, it's about that kind of finding the balance for me. Yeah. I'm a recovering workaholic also. So when I started at Envision, I was working without anyone knowing it. There was no expectation of this, but I was working about 14 to 16 hour days. And my boss had no idea. People were pinging me and asking me for help with things. This is something I've worked on personally and professionally is getting to the point I can say no, because my knee jerk reaction is to want to jump in and help people when they ask for help. But so I was working these insane hours and it was just wild. And my daughter finally one day came in and she was like, hey, can we play? And I was like, oh, I need to keep working. And I'm on salary. You know, I'm not doing hourly. I'm not getting paid for this. And I was like, I have to keep working. I have to keep working to pay for your toys. And she just looked at me and her eyes welled up with tears. And she said, I don't care about that. I just want to spend time with you. I oh, that's just brutal. heartbreaking. <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely heartbreaking. So that's when I, you know, took a step back, shut the laptop, went and played with my daughter. And the next morning I contacted my boss and I was like, you know, I'm doing this. I'm working all these hours. She's like, what are you doing? We need more headcount then. And she handled it beautifully and they got more headcount and my days went back to normal. But that was when I really got in the zone of needing to handle self-care better and setting, you know, my start time and my end time and making sure that I was taking time to live my life because you work hard to make this money and to help support people. But you have to remember that you're working hard to support your life. It's not your actual life. Support for Design Better comes from Uplift Desk, creators of office furniture designed to help you work better and live healthier. It's been estimated that the average person will spend one-third of their life at work. Sobering, huh? That's roughly 90,000 hours at work over your lifetime. Imagine what happens to your body if you're working with bad posture and poor circulation. It can be devastating on your health. That's why Eli and I love Uplift Desk and their ergonomic desks and chairs. Uplift Desk makes solid, well-constructed standing desks that you can customize to match your workspace. And they have a wide variety of incredibly ergonomic chairs. My personal favorite is the Human Scale Freedom Chair. I'm sitting in it right now. For professionals like us, investing in the right tools, especially our desk and chair, is essential. You're going to get free shipping, free returns with free return shipping, and an industry-leading 15-year warranty that covers the complete desk. Eli and I love their products, and we know that you will too. Give it a try. Go to upliftdesk.com and use code DESIGNBETTER5 for 5% off your order. That's U-P-L-I-F-T-DESK.com to get 5% off your entire order with promo code DESIGNBETTER5. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When we spoke with Seth Godin on Design Better, he said something very interesting. Everyone's got a noise in their head. You, me, your boss, everyone. That noise in our head is self-doubt, confusion, fear, anxiety, all of that. It's part of the human experience, and it can hold us back. Therapy is one of the best ways to work through it all, to quiet the unproductive noise and develop positive mental health. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and to work with your schedule. BetterHelp can help you get the support that you need. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DesignBetter today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DesignBetter. How do you think 
working remotely influences the need to document your process, the way you work, how you organize assets, how you like develop maybe playbooks for common practices in a team? How, do, how does that influence things? For me, the, the best team structures have always sort of been that freedom and a framework. Because I think, you know, for me, the best teams remote or otherwise, and that's why I said, I think it's, it's not over indexing on the fact that we're remote. I, I think they work very deliberately. I think, you know, they have rules for the way they do brainstorms. They have very particular ways, like we said, about how they communicate. So there, there are certain ways where they're very clear about how they work. That is a big piece of remote. I think the biggest change for me has really been around remote leadership. I thought in the past, I was like, I had five studios around the world. I knew how to run things. Wow, was I wrong? Just because I think, you know, a lot of it is how do you transition onto tools everybody can use? How do you sort of empower empathy? How do you... And so, again, I think those tend to be the playbooks that maybe you don't think about that you need a little bit more. Because I think a lot of the processes, a lot of those things can sort of stay pretty similar. But again, like when you start a meeting, don't just jump right into work. Like talk to somebody or just schedule. Like, again, we have a thing that I love, which is a little bot that we have on Slack called Donut. And it goes around and just randomly pairs two people together. So you can just talk to other people in the company and you can meet new people. So, again, I think sort of being deliberate about how you structure your culture and do some of those things, like I said, are some of the soft skills that I think we all should have paid attention to more. It's just here again, whenever you get into remote, I think they get pulled up to the surface more. Yeah, I've noticed this is something I struggled with in working in, in a physical environment and found it in remote as well as intentionally building in that time to, to build connection with people. Our team, we haven't done it recently, but for a stretch of time, we did something called show and tell where at the beginning of our kind of weekly team meeting, we would set aside time and someone would do a show and tell of something that's meaningful in their life. Mm. So Eli, I think you did one on um, surfing and like free diving and, you know, showed us a bunch of pictures of spearfishing and things that he's doing um, at, at his home in California. I did a show and tell about my garden and we had another colleague who did a show and tell about her relationship with her grandfather and who he was and why he was, you know, played such an important role in her life. I found it just so profound as like a way to connect with people. This is the irony of remote that I've, I've really been struck by is that when I was in a physical office environment, it was, you know, I go to work and we do work together and I would try to invest time in getting to know people, but I never really felt like I could penetrate that shell of like the professional veneer. Whereas in remote, I see Steven on a call sitting on the couch with his dog and that like, what's that sound, Steven? Oh, that's my pug <laughs> snoring. Uh, you know, like Every, everybody knows my pug snoring. <laughs> Or, or Eli, like, had his son Dash sitting on his lap the other day. His daughter comes in. Like, I even had one meeting where my six-year-old came in in his underwear and introduced himself to everybody. So, like, <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's, a pretty, it, it's, it's a pretty personal way to work, which is kind of surprising. People would think remote. It's not very personal. But you're peering into people's lives every day. Again, like there's a team that I worked with and they did a thing that I loved and it was basically like, you know, their version of cribs. So they would start the meeting and you would sort of walk around like you do it on your phone and you'd walk around. And if it was in New York, it was a real short tour. But, you know, if it was someplace <laughs> else, then but I, I think that that's 
But again, I think that that to me is the part where it's like, you know, look, for the best teams, whenever you look at how they work, they prioritize things like trust and emotional connection and getting to know each other. And that, and again, I think that's for a lot of leaders I work with is because that's the problem they have is because the gap between who they are and who they think everybody want them to be is so big mm-hmm. that they're sort of struggling to figure out their identity, struggling to figure out how they communicate. And it's just, it's so exhausting to have to carry that weight around of trying to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think another piece for me that's been interesting at Envision is I've made friends here that I feel much closer to than friends that I've met in offices. I have a few people from my original startup that I'm still in close touch with, but people I've worked with at Envision who, when the company started to grow, they loved their hooked on tiny startup environments. So they had gone out to other companies. We still talk every day, every night we get together in another Slack and just chat, find out how things are going, talk about what we can help each other with, give feedback about things that they're struggling with. And it's been going on for years. And it's just the most amazing bond that you can build with people, even though it's in a remote environment. I always joke with my mom that all that time I spent in IRC and on ICQ in the 90s has really paid off for my career because it got to where I am now where I can connect with people and really get to know them on a deeper level from anywhere in the world. It's been such an incredible opportunity and, and an amazing experience. So this is an important takeaway take for everyone listening is that if you are feeling isolated, you might be in a, a city where you have to shelter in place and you feel kind of trapped and alone. If you are working remotely, see it as an opportunity to connect with people in a way that you haven't in the past. With your colleagues, maybe you had just always a very professional relationship Everybody's going through a similar type of complex set of feelings where your personal feelings and your professional ambitions are mixed together in in this soup. It's a great opportunity to get to know other people and share more of yourself. I would build on that too to say that you can carry these remote working skills into your social life in this current situation. So we had a situation the other day where we had our kids uh, and our friends, family's kids build some things during the day. And then we did a show and tell in the evening and had a happy hour over Zoom. <laughs> so you can you mm. can use the same kind of work techniques that you do to stay closer to people in life during this kind of isolated period. I love that. And another thing I've found working remotely is that some people are really comfortable with that and get letting people get to know them and take a peek into their lives. And then some people really are not. And I think that that's okay too. For the people that are more private, I think respecting their boundaries is also important. So kind of going from both ends of that and uh, making sure that the balance is good for everyone that you're working with is, is important as well. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, it's something that I have to remind myself of fairly regularly, even very recently. I think it's also in many cases you don't necessarily know how much support you have until you ask for it. That is, I, for me, I think one of the biggest challenges of remote is you can't watch somebody walk into the office. You can't read their body language. You can't, you know, kind of watch the physicality of somebody to see their mood. And it's easy to hide if you want to. Like, it's easy to show up and be chipper for a half hour or 60 minutes and be great and then turn the camera off and just sort of lay your head down on the desk or something. And so I think, you know, this is where... I think my hope is we can start to rethink how we use social media because again, I think I continue to say that I would love if for Halloween, everybody went as who they pretend to be on social media to be a little bit more honest or ask for help or to be able to kind of, because again, I think it's a rare moment where everyone is going through this. And, but I think it's also an incredible moment of opportunity because I think at Envision, like we have that super advantage that everybody's remote, right? And, and I think whenever you talk to people about it, they would always say, well, that's probably the one reason why it works. Well, now, guess what? 
everybody's remote. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, that ability to, to be vulnerable in, in whatever way you can, to be able to reach out to people, to, to not just sort of let that isolation set in or not sort of let, you know, like I said, you're getting too caught up in the image of who you think you're supposed to be, because I just think those don't lead to, to healthy outcomes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Being isolated like this for a lot of people is brand new and it's a, a weird feeling and it takes a lot of getting used to. And I've been self-isolating since I was in my early 20s because I have a compromised immune system and it's had a huge impact on my life and the way that I communicate with people. I'm very focused on making sure that I'm reaching out to people by text and talking to them on chat and jumping onto video and, and really trying to connect with people. It's part of the reason I absolutely love social media so much as a connector in this industry. If it wasn't for Twitter, I wouldn't have my job at Envision. I actually connected with the director of content on Twitter before I joined the company. And I was doing some blogging and just kind of using any tool I could to connect with people since I couldn't do it in person. And I think that as folks are going through this now, seeing them struggle with it is kind of heartbreaking for me because I remember feeling those things in the beginning when I was like, what am I going to do? I can't just sit in my house all the time. I'm going to lose my mind. And seeing people kind of starting to learn how to navigate that and trying to support them as they're doing it, since I've been doing it for such a long time by necessity, has been really interesting. And I think just kind of making people aware that when they're talking to people and they have friends in, in their lives that do have, maybe they're immune compromised or they're battling an illness or they're going through chemo or something like that. This feeling that everyone is experiencing right now is what folks in that situation experience every day. So I think it's it's just something to keep in mind as you're moving through and, and know that the people who've gone through it are there to support you as well as you're trying to adjust because they understand how hard this is. It's incredibly difficult. Thanks for sharing that. Jennifer Aldrich and Stephen Gates, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. And for our listeners, if you want to learn more about your design team working remotely and navigating those these what may be new waters for you, we recommend you visit envisionapp.com slash remote. That's envisionapp.com slash remote. And we've got a lot of articles that we've published there that can help you figure some of these things out. <laughs>